And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT the Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT the Brick. JT, back with you. Our number two of the show as we begin, brought to you by You Pick Trade. YouPickTrade.com is a sports betting recommendation service that uses a unique sports betting algorithm to deliver the best sport betting picks out there. Follow them online, social media, You Pick Trades Bets on Twitter. We welcome in the all time Hit King. Thrilled to talk to Pete Rose again. Hit King, how are you, my friend? Hey, Brick. How you doing, buddy? I'm sitting here trying to uh, get my get my thoughts together. The Reds are getting trounced today. <laughs> How does that feel for you? It's just, just a legendary Red when you want to take yourself out of it, but you lock into the game. That's your team. That's your city. Emotionally, when they're down in a game. Well, I think San Francisco is going to sweep them now, and yeah, uh, the Reds got off to a six and one start, and everybody. You know, if you if you'd been back to Cincinnati, you thought they were printing the World Series tickets, <laughs> and now they're going to be four games uh, under five hundred. Uh, and that, I'm going to the game Sunday. They're playing Milwaukee, so uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, they got pretty good hitting, but all of a sudden they stopped hitting, and uh, the bullpen just fell apart. And uh, uh, in today's baseball, as you know, uh, mm. if you don't have starters, it gets you in the seventh or eighth inning. You rely on the bullpen. And the teams that will have the best uh, seasons this year, I, I always say, our teams has got the, the best little relief pitching. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a closer. Everybody's got starters. But as you know, you follow it. Most runs in baseball today, I think, are scored in the 6th, 7th, and 8th inning of games because of lack of, of uh, middle relief pitching. Absolutely. Some teams really invest in it. Other teams wait till after the trade deadline. Pete, speaking of Cincinnati, when you go back, what is your routine like? The fans love you. I know you have a routine. You like to get to the ballpark, batting practice. We've talked about this. What do you like? What's it like when you sit in your seat? Walk me through an experience when you go to a Reds game. Well, you, you'll find this hard to believe, Brick, but, um, you know, I was born three miles from the ballpark in Cincinnati, the ballpark being Crosby Field. Of course, now they're in Great American Ballpark at the riverfront. Uh, and they play on Pete Rose Way. That's, that's the name of the street that the ballpark's on. And I have never in my life, never been in the clubhouse or in the batting cage at the ballpark. Incredible. I'm not allowed in the clubhouse or I'm not allowed in the batting cage. And that's still Major League Baseball, since the yeah, Reds organization yeah, would love that. In the, when I sit underneath in the diamond seats, I sit way back to the right where I can actually see the batting cage and all the players walk by where I'm sitting, but there's a glass. Uh, but I've never been able or allowed to go in the clubhouse or to help, try to help some young players become better players by helping them in the batting cage. Yeah, we've that, talked about Doesn't that seem strange? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's ludicrous to me because, again, we talked about time and how many years it's been, and I know the Reds and all these organizations would love to have you involved with all of this, and it's a big deal for me because I know how you can teach and help these young batters, especially seems like so many of them are struggling today to make contact. Yeah, well, 
you know, I've been on the field, uh, uh, Brick, and let me tell you why I was on the field. One time I was on the field because they retired my number. Another time I was on the field is because uh, uh, they had a statue. Okay? And another time I was on the field because I made the Reds Hall of Fame. So all three of those memories, uh, of course, were sellouts. And that's why I was allowed on the field. Uh, no, one other time, one other time, they had Pete Rose bobblehead night, and they had uh, forty thousand people. I was allowed on the field that night, so I've been allowed on the field four times. But all four, all four situations are great for me, but they benefit the home team because of the crowd. Absolutely, and they, and a... they did the same thing for Bench. Mm-hmm. They did the same thing for Morgan, and they did the same thing for Perez. So the only thing we have left. If there's ever uh, an anniversary, and of course we already lost Joe Morgan, so the the anniversary I don't know which one would be coming up for <clears throat> from the '76 Reds, but uh, if we're all together, they'll probably have a celebration. I hope they would. You need to be back for that as much as you can. Pete Rose joins us. Pete, really a polarizing topic on Tony Larusa, critical of his player Mercedes swinging at the EFIS pitch with a big lead and tattooing a home run as they were leading 15 to four. Larusa went out of his way to be very critical of it. He knew Minnesota was going to throw at him the next day. I've been dying to ask you about this old school <laughs> purist to new school baseball as we're trying to get younger and more younger fans. Where do you stand on this topic? Well, if you're going to swing a 3-0 and pitch, I don't care what the score is. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm not I'm not going to badmouth the kid because, uh, because they bring a, a position player in the pitch. Yes. And if he strikes that kid out, He's going to be celebrating out on the mound. You know, I, I went through that my whole career. Let me tell you what I went through, and you'll understand this. I, because of the type of player I was, I had a any time we had a seven, eight, nine run lead late in the ball game, whether we're on the road or at home, I had to shut my offense down. As far as being aggressive, I couldn't hit a single and take two, stretching into a double. Yet all the guys who hit home runs are still up there swinging from their ass trying to hit home runs. You know, if you hit a home run and score 16 to 1, you're not going to get thrown at the next day. But if you hit a single and stretch it into a double, they're going to knock you on your butt the next day. I never did quite understand that. You know, here's my philosophy on that. If you don't like that situation, try to keep yourself out of that situation. <laughs> Okay, why do you why do you want to bring an outfielder in to pitch to this guy? What's he supposed to do? Go up there and take three strikes? Okay, and three zero. I don't care what it was. He shouldn't have got him three and zero. Don't get him three and zero if you don't want him swinging three and zero. Pete, I said the same thing. Pete, I said. I said the same thing, excuse me, because they brought in a position player. If they yeah. didn't bring in a position, and Tony, I, you, you managed at the highest level and played at the highest level. Why did Tony, in your mind, you as you were a manager, double down on this and criticize vocally his young player for doing this so much? It really sa- sounded like he wanted to send a message, and he used the media, I thought, too much to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, all Tony should do, okay, uh, maybe I'm wrong on this, but... Uh, Tony Tony should find the kid for missing the sign. Evidently, he missed the take sign. Did Tony put the take sign on? Yeah. 
okay, then then the kid should be fine for missing a sign. But you know, uh, it's it's like Tony's trying to uh, play old school where you can't swing the bat when you're more than eight or nine runs ahead. Hey, let me tell you something. One time we played the Dodgers at the Riverfront, and we scored fourteen runs in the first inning. <laughs> we did. We scored fourteen runs in the first inning of a ball game. We played in we played in Chicago one time. Phillies. We won twenty three to twenty two. I'm not saying it's going to happen if the score is sixteen to one or sixteen to five, whatever. But there's no clock running in baseball with brick. There ain't no clock running. Sometimes, believe me, as a manager, as a player, you can't get that third out of the inning. You cannot get that third out of the inning. In other words, what I'm saying, you got you never got enough. The way the ball flies out of the ballpark today, the way the middle relief pitching is today. You never got enough. You never have enough. And you can't bring a position player in to pitch the game and get mad because the guy swung at a 3-0 pitch. What the hell is the difference? It's 3-0 or 2-1. (laughs) Pete Rose joins us. Absolutely. Hey, Pete, we had Reggie on a couple weeks ago. It was his birthday the other day. When Reggie would swing violently and the bat would come back and he'd drop it at home plate, a lot of people thought he was showboating there because of the violence of the swing and how quickly he put it down. Can you take me back to the 70s and 80s, Mike Schmidt? When Mike Schmidt hit home runs, I remember him putting his head down and not lifting his head going around the bases. What was the talk in your prime about guys who were showing up pitchers when they hit homers? Players know if you're showing them up, Jay, okay? And, like, I watched San Diego, and they got some good players in that team. I mean, if somebody hits a home run, they go they go through a dance routine when he goes around the bases. You know, it's, can you imagine doing that if Bob Gibson was pitching? Or if Tom Seaver was pitching or Steve Carlton? They would get buried the next time up. Evidently, they don't do that today. So they let him show him up, and they don't retaliate. Believe me when I tell you, players, players know how to police the area. Players know if the, the slide in the second was a dirty slide. Players know if you, if you attacked a catcher at home plate uh, that you were wrong. Okay? You don't need a manager telling you it was wrong or whatever. I don't, I don't know what Tony LaRusso was trying to do. I mean, he's embarrassing his player. He's probably a young player, right? Yes. A yeah, great so, young player. Yeah, a great young player. And just make a point. What I used to do to my young players JT is whenever they made a mistake on the field, I would wait till they come off the field. I would work my way down in the dugout and get seated next to them. Then I'd explain to them why you don't do this. Okay, and hopefully they learned. I wouldn't yell at them in front of their peers. I'm not going to embarrass them by down there making gestures with my, my arms or my hands because a player did this or did that. You take time with young players and you know, you try to explain, this is the right way. This is what you don't do. Because if not, they're going to get knocked on their butt the next time up. And most players who get knocked on their ass the next time up, they kind of get in the batter's box and expect it. If you screwed up, you expect it. Okay? Now they knock you on your butt, that's enough. You don't have to throw four pitches at them. You don't have to throw three pitches at them. You wake them up. If you want to knock them down, knock them down. And that's it. It's over with. Okay, but too many of these situations, they linger and they linger and they linger. Then you end up having an all-out an all brawl at home plate. 
Pete Rose is our guest. Check out what he's doing at youpicktrade.com. Hashtag and Pete we trust. There's no one alive on earth that knows more about baseball than Pete. Check out youpicktrade.com. Pete, Mike Trout got hurt again. And yeah. I grabbed my head and I said, no, six to eight weeks. This is a guy that can put up Mantle, Gehrig, Ruth, Rose type numbers throughout his career. I just hate to see him. There's always yeah. a hand injury, a groin. When you saw the injury to Trout, what did you initially think? I couldn't believe him. He's on second base running the third. Uh, I don't know. It was just a weak muscle that just pulled on him, I guess. Yeah. But uh, Mike Trout's probably – well – him or Mookie Betts is probably the best player in baseball today. You agree with that or disagree yes, with it? Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, but the only problem I have with Mike Trout, he's a great player. I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame already, and he's only less than a 10-year player. But uh, you ever you ever enjoyed Mike Trout in the World Series? Nope. Because he's never been in it. I yeah, mean, but when, you, you're a good, when you're a good player like Mike Trout or Willie Mays or Hank, Hank Aaron or Virgil Clemente or Ernie Banks or whoever, uh, you try to lead your team to the promised land, and the promised land is the World Series. And it's not Mike Trout's fault that Anaheim don't go to the World Series. Uh, he's the last guy you play. However, he just, I don't know if he makes players around him better. Most really good players make all everybody around him better. You know, you know what I'm saying? And if you make okay. everybody around you better, you got a better chance of winning. Pete, I'm going to have to – Pete, Pete i got to push back on that a little bit because of Ernie Banks and Ted Williams, two of the greatest yeah. of all time who didn't have that success in the World yeah. Series. Is that is that yeah. a fair analysis? Williams uh, – talk to me about the difference with Williams and going up against DiMaggio and not being able to win World Series. Well, Williams, Williams couldn't win because of the dominance of the Yankees when he was playing. Yeah. I mean, the, the Yankee, Ernie Banks – I mean, you know, he had Santo on his team. He had Billy Williams on his team. He had Fergie Jenkins on his team. I'm surprised why they never got to the promised land. I really am because and it certainly wasn't Ernie's fault. It wasn't any of their faults. But you just had to figure out a way to make the players in front of you and the players behind you better at what you're trying to do. And that's what great players do. That's what great players do. And I'm not blaming Mike Trout not one bit for the lack of success of the California Angels. I blame I, I blame the owners and the general manager because they don't know how to put money into pitching. They put money into everyday players that when that got run down, you know, uh, uh, they, 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 they put the, they got up to, they went out and, get, and signed Pujols to a big contract. But they never win because they don't have the pitching. You don't win today, JT, unless you got good pitching. Okay, Pete, and, yeah. and, and the teams that are going to go to the playoffs in the World Series are going to be teams that's got good middle relief pitching. What are middle relief pitchers? Their guys not good enough to start, and their guys not good enough to close. But they have to be on the staff. The teams with the best middle relief pitching are the ones we'll be watching on TV in October. Absolutely. You tell me that all the time. Wrapping it up with Pete Rose. Corey Kluber threw a 6 no hitter last night. The Tigers the night before. What do you say of the critics who say, well, there's 6 no hitters who are way ahead of the pace. How do you analyze this, especially with gaming and numbers, when you look at all these no-hitters? How do you see it, Pete? It's all about the elevation of the bat. They're all swinging up. And when they make outs, they're making fly balls or pop-ups or home runs or strikeouts. I mean, the, 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 the average batting uh, average in baseball today 
as you and I speak, uh, is 237. That's the average baseball player's salary, uh, average today, 237. That's every player in baseball. That's what their average uh, ends up being, if you do them all collectively. 237. That's a lot of bad hitters. But they're hitting home runs. They hit home runs. Okay? That's all they're worried about. Hit home runs and see how much money I can make. Now, I don't care if I strike out 150 times. If I had 30 home runs, I'm going to make $15 million. That's the attitude that the owners yeah. have given these players. And that's, and, and that's why the launch angle is so important. You know, Hank Aaron never hit a tape major home run. He hit 755 of them. <laughs> you can hit line drive home runs, too, JT. Yes. They go out of the ballpark, too, especially these ballparks you're playing in today. Most of the ballparks, the new ballparks today, are what we call band boxes. So it's like playing inside your studio. <laughs> and you've been there. We're wrapping it up with Pete Rose. What do you think of Bob Baffert? Everybody accusing him after all these epic wins. Preakness before that, the Derby. I know you know that industry. You got a lot of friends in it. What do you think of how Baffert handled this with the media and not going to the Preakness now in the Belmont band? Well, it wasn't my fault. I mean, that's what he said. It wasn't his fault. It was his assistant. Assistant's fault. Well, what's that about the ninth time he's been uh, yeah. uh, accused of that? Uh, Bob Baffert's a good guy. I like Bob, and he he gets the best stock. That's why he wins. Mm-hmm. He's got the millionaires in his back pocket every year at the at the uh, Kingland sales. Who comes up with the best horses? Whoever Bob Baffert's working for, because those millionaires don't care. They put all the money in the world into these horses. When you can start. You know, putting two, three million dollars into a horse. Uh, you you know the most the, the most expensive horse ever bought at the Keeneland Sales. What's that? His name. He, he cost fifteen million, and he never made it to the races. His name was Green Monkey. That was the number one horse at the auction. The most money ever taken in for one horse. Over fifteen million green monkey never made it to the races. Incredible! Never knew that story, Pete Rose. How as would we you wrap like it, to put fifteen million up <laughs> to buy a horse and you, you never get to see him run. That would hurt, but I would have really deep pockets. I'd probably be a prince in the Middle East, and I would just <laughs> redial and do it again. Hey, Pete, what do you like now with, with hockey? Man, the Golden Knights won a big one down 0-1 to tie it up to go to Minnesota, and then you watch oh, yeah, these other cool. hockey games, yeah. and you had LeBron yeah. James last night. You had LeBron versus Steph yeah. Curry. You're loving all this. Yeah. Yeah, when the Golden Knights scored 17 seconds after the other Minnesota took the lead mm-hmm. to go one to nothing. And they come right back and score. That's you could just see the momentum change. And plus, that was a home game. That was right down the street from where I live. The Golden Knights are good. They got yeah. a lot of players who can score, and and they got a good attitude. And uh, the basketball is, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to watch Curry. It's fun to watch, watch LeBron James. You know, it's it's, it's, it's the big guy underneath. Uh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. I mean, he's like a uh, he's like a, a man ab- among boys. I mean, we're we're at a good time right now because baseball's in full swing and hockey playoffs are going on. Basketball playoffs are getting ready to start. Uh, this is a fun time to be just a sports fan. I know you enjoy it, and I enjoy it too. Especially, it's hard to go out uh, because there's nothing going on, but you got your TV and you got all the sports that you can watch every night and, and go from there. Thank God for sports. 
how much fun you having with you pick trade? It's fun. Uh, me and my son sit down every night and uh, go over uh, who's playing good now, who's not, who's hurt, who's not, who's been pitching good, who's not pitching good. Those are all things going to handicap in a baseball game. And uh, there's so much going on. It's, it's, it takes a lot of work. You know, I got some of my favorite teams. San Diego's a good team. Yeah. Okay. Kansas City's playing good. You know, there's some teams that are surprises out there. And there's some teams like, like the Yankees. Uh, that kid, Kugler, he looked yeah. good last night. Man, he had a good breaking ball. He had a really good breaking ball. And I don't know I don't, I don't know why there's so many uh, no-hitters. I think it's because these guys are tra- all trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. and all, They're all over-swinging, and they're all swinging up. Hey, Pete, you nailed that. How about being in the sixth, seventh inning, knowing you're being no-hit, and trying to go the other way and get a base hit and break up the no-hitter. I know you want to win the game. You might want to hit a double or a home run, but what's it like when you're in the dugout and there's a no-hitter going on? It happened to you all the time, and you're going to get two more at-bats. Did you change your philosophy with those at-bats? No, I try to do the same thing every time I went up there. Let me tell you something, Brick. Who do you think broke up more no-hitters than anybody in the history of baseball? Pete Rose. Why? Because I let off and I got 4,000 hits. What's the difference if you get a hit the first time up or the fifth time up? It's still a hit. Still wait a second. Are you no taking? Oh, are you, wait a second. Are you taking credit for breaking up no hitters in the first inning? Absolutely. Yeah. Lead off base. What's the difference? Hey, what's the difference? You get a hit the first inning, and the guy shuts the team down the rest of the game. You broke up the no hitter. What's the difference? You did the first time up or in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. You are the absolute, for, for as long as I've known you and all the one-liners you've had, I've never heard that one. You broke up the most no-hitters because you got the most hits, the most lead-off hits. Most hits in the first inning. I mean, <laughs> oh. Rick, I hit a, I, 19, this trip, oh. 1963, I'm playing at, at uh, Polo Grounds against the Mets. Jay Hook's pitching, Jim Maloney's pitching for us. I hit the first pitch of the game. First pitch of the game for a home run, we won the game one to nothing. Maloney won his 20th. That happened, that was 63. It happened again the only time, 2013. A guy in America, I forgot who it was, hit the first pitch of the game for a home run. Every other pitch, every other out was insignificant. Think about that. First pitch of the game, <laughs> that was, the game was over. One pitch, one batter. I love it. You started history, and we're still talking about it today. You pick trade. That's the home. Find all about what Pete Rose is doing for advice. No one better in baseball. The great friend Pete Rose. Thanks, Head King. I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. We're just trying to help people make money, Jay. Is all we're trying to do. You're right on the team with me, buddy. You got it. You got it. There he is, Pete Rose. Thank you, Pete. Unbelievable. I mean, how, how sharp is he? Do you believe that? He's got the most leadoff hits ever which means he's broken up the most no-hitters ever. I know everything about Pete, statistically. I'm a baseball stat guy with Pete. Not so much everybody else. I've never heard him say that. That that will stay with me the rest of my life, that Pete Rose broke up the most no-hitters in baseball history because he has the most lead-off hits. Oh, that's so good. Ihole. The official tequila of the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio and the official tequila of the Henderson Silver Knights. When I'm sitting down with Pete Rose, I'm having a Ihole tequila. And we're looking at you, uh, you, you pick trade 
which I have right up here in front of me, as Pete is giving advice. Pete Rose, Sam of Sam and Ash, and Andrew Brandt supposed to call in. Big last hour here on Raider Nation Radio. Face off, one by Minnesota. Here's a point shot, glove save. Flurry snares it near his left ear. The draw was won on the right side. Down to an Ewan Benino. Fiala helped it along to Dumba. Who wound up and let a rip from straight on. High slot, Flurry made the glove save. Dan Duva on the call. How bleeping great is Marc-Andre Flurry. Look, I was, I was all into you know, goalies going back and forth. Leonard one game, Flurry, Leonard Flurry. Now it's Flurry. He's playing that great. Leonard will play. If the Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup, which is the goal, they're going to need Robin Leonard. Flurry's going to have an off night. Flurry's going to need rest. But Flurry, the way he's playing now, best shot at the Golden Knights winning. I am drinking my third cup of coffee today. Third, with my salmon ash. What's right, coffee mug? As Sam joins us from SamAndAshLaw.com. I'm getting a lot of use today because I can't. If it was at night, I'd put a little Bailey's in it there, as you know, Sam. But I can't do that with two radio shows every day. I get it, JT. I get it. Well, that's for after hours. So yes. good, to, good to hear your voice. Man, that Pete Rose interview was great. Thank you. You know, when you get a chance to talk to him and – he has those one-liners, and he's talking about sports, and he goes back. Isn't it amazing when you hear a guy in his 80s? He just had his 80th birthday. He can go back to a game in any season and tell you what the pitch was, what the at-bat was, what the circumstance was. That's pretty sharp at 80, huh? Uh, it's, it's enviable, really. You know, I, I know he's, he turned 80, and he is absolutely in full command of, of everything. It was uh, you got a lot out of him. That was a, that was a great bit of radio there. Well, I love having you on because we could talk about the hot topics happening here in Vegas. Before we get going with some legal issues, I know you're going on the stadium tour coming up here, and you and Ashley have been talking about this for a while. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it is an <laughs> elaborate tour where you're going to stop at a lot of different locations. How pumped up are you? I am so excited. A little bit of me feels like I'm the last person to, to go to Allegiant. <laughs> Um, and, and I, I already know so many people who've been on the tour or who, who have had the opportunity like you to work in the stadium. And I've watched, you know, I moved into town. I moved here right as they were breaking ground and have watched that stadium be built uh, piece by piece. And so this is a big deal for me. I, I'm really excited to see it. I can't wait to check it out. And, of course, I can't wait for live games this next season and actually to be there. Are you confused as a sports fan, not in Nevada, but with also some of your Southern California connections and roots too about, you know, the Laker game last night wasn't full capacity. And I'm going, why not? What's going on in California, Nevada? You travel all over the world, mask mandate or not, if you're vaccinated. Didn't you think by now that everybody who had a vaccination card in Los Angeles could go to a Laker game with a mask on, with a Vax card, and get in. And now I'm still seeing limited seating in New York at Yankee games. Sam, a lot of your clients are having a tough time figuring out when they can go to sports. Yeah, no, everybody is. And, and it's, um, you know, I, 
I can't help but think I don't think the the politicians don't have the answer, and uh, and I don't envy them having to make these decisions. But I but I really I really think that the solution is out there, and and it is getting back. It is either getting a vaccine or proving you've got antibodies, and and being able to go to these events. And look, if you don't if you don't feel safe, and if you're concerned about being in a crowd, don't go to the event. But we're a free country, and we're a country that takes personal responsibility. Ashley and I talk about this all the time. Personal responsibility. You you go to a game, you, you go look. It's gonna, there's there's a risk, and but if you're vaccinated and you're feeling secure, then you can make that choice as an adult. And and I think that that these these teams are just becoming, or these organizers and stadiums are being a little bit gun shy, especially the counties and the states where they're they're still holding on to this. We need people in those seats, live watching sports, because it's not the same without live spectators. SamAndAshLaw.com. Hey, focus on your recovery from injury. Sam and Ashley will do all the rest. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or go to their great website, SamAndAshLaw.com. My wife and I, uh, two nights ago, were watching the news and another horrific hit and run in Vegas. What in God's name is going on? I know you've helped some clients along the way in this category. Is this a Vegas thing? Is this happening everywhere? Why are hit and runs up? Uh, I think we're I think we're really the hit and run and pedestrian crash capital of the of, of the country. Sadly, and I, I, there are a couple of different factors. One, there's an enormous amount of impaired driving going on. And, you know, impaired driving is, is, is a choice. Uh, there's nothing accidental about what follows that choice. Uh, and when there's a crash, it's devastating. And so, so two things. One, you know, as a driver, JT, you and I and each and every one of your listeners, we all have to be very careful because people are jaywalking. They're out there stumbling in the roadway. I, you know, I just watched uh, yesterday a, a guy who was obviously intoxicated crossing on a red through a busy street right in front of my office. Uh, you know, people like that are out there, so it's dangerous. You know, you've got to have your eyes up on the road, not on your cell phone, not on the radio, but focused on the road. And then the flip side of it, too, as a driver, you have to understand that there are so many people out there who are driving intoxicated, and it's it's very dangerous. You got And these are the people that tend to leave the scene of an accident because they're worried about, you know, getting a DUI, getting arrested and, and worse. But, you know, don't do that. I, uh, leaving the scene is always worse. The police ultimately will find you, hold you accountable. And it is automatically up, upgraded to a, a much more serious felony if you leave the scene of, a, of an injury accident. Sam joins us from SamAndAshLaw.com. One other quick one, a friend of mine who calls the show in the Bay Area, he was driving along the Presidio, and it was scary. He got to a light, was with his friends after a Warrior game, and it goes from being an area where it feels like a freeway, and then it comes down into a pedestrian area. And he looked behind it in his rear view mirror, and he saw a car streaming down, and he knew it wasn't going to be able to stop. So he braced. He was rear-ended. It turned out it was someone texting, a young woman texting, and she was intoxicated. He felt okay initially, Sam, and then he didn't stay there throughout the end of the, of the gal's DUI. He ended up getting his car towed, and he went home. 
technically, what do you do when that happens? Instantly, you want them to get safe, get to the side of the road, but then to call you and to get get the process going here and make sure everything's buttoned up. A lot of people leave an accident, and then they start the phone calls the next day. And that's okay. I mean, look, it's better to do it. It's better to do it the next day, or the, or the, you know, or, or even within that first week, than not to do it ever at all. Um, I think it's very common. What happened to your friend happens to most of us. We get in an accident, adrenaline's pumping, we feel fine, we go home, we sleep, we wake up in the morning, we're sore, uh, and a week later, you know, week goes by, and suddenly it's not getting better. And and my recommendation, to everybody, is just give us a call. We're really friendly easy to work with, whether you've been hurt here in Las Vegas, hurt in California. We have offices in both states. And and the simple thing is, is let's sort it out because, you know, maybe you're okay, maybe you're fine, but let's do everything right from the beginning or as early as we possibly can to protect you, to shore everything up and make sure that you're covered in case you do have an injury uh, that later ends up becoming more significant and that you need to be compensated for. Hey, finally, let's give a plug for First Friday. You and Ashley are really involved yes. with that. Uh, the kind lady who runs it, can you please talk about her and how that event comes off? Because I can't wait. I guess our next uh, First Friday is June 4th, and I'll be coming down there to see you. Tell us about it. Well, the, the whole organization that does First Friday is remarkable. And, and I got to tell you, they, they are you know a, a year or 13 months of, of none of this. And if, if for those not don't know what this is it's in the arts district downtown las vegas uh it is an artist uh, kind of outdoor uh, community uh you know festival but it is you were you know you and i were there a month ago and it was it was tremendous wasn't it so much so many great people a lot of energy a lot of local artists and other others displaying their stuff really fun Great for the family. Lots of good food places around so you can combine it with dinner. Come out. Check it out. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always the first Friday of every month. And, and, the, and the organizers, it's a great community thing. And it feels, it really feels so small town, which I love. And, it, and it's, it's one of the great things about living here in Las Vegas. Fantastic, my friend. I hope to see you before that. Go Knights, go. Uh, enjoy the NBA playoffs. And thanks for Absolutely. following up the hit king here, Pete Rose. You hit it out of the park. Unbelievable. Oh, I know. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> if it were only Ashley, I'm sure it would even be better. Uh, thank you, JT, for everything. Uh, you're a good friend. We love you. You're a great friend. Thank you. Sam and Ashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. And give them a call. And again, we have Sam on for a reason. I trust him. He's a friend of mine. So if you need a personal injury attorney, and I know in this town in Vegas, you get overwhelmed with all the personal injury attorneys with their neck testosterone and their motorcycles and they're screaming at you. Not Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. When we come back, wow, Andrew Brandt's going to join us, the former Packer executive, uh, one of the sharpest guys that I know. And Bobby, as he called in, do we have him ready to go? Okay, I think he is, or do you want me to break? Because I'm here. What do you want me to do, Bobby? All right, we'll do that, and we'll come back. We'll get to it quickly. We'll get to our good friend, Andrew Brandt, when we continue on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, I've never been up there. Like you said, I'm a Texas boy, but, you know, this this change is going to be great. I'm excited. I've heard a lot of great things about 
uh, Las Vegas. Um, you know, obviously the team is great. Uh, Coach Gruden and, and all the all the defensive coaches up there. Um, so yeah, I think the transition is going to be smooth. I'm excited to go up there um, and, and see what it's like up in in Las Vegas, man. Morig, yeah, more young players coming in for the Silver and Black. A guy who knows a lot about the draft process, bringing in young players. And Charles Woodson, as he made the deal to bring Charles Woodson to the Packers, and it was just announced that Charles Woodson is going into the Packers Hall of Fame. A former Packer executive, Andrew Brandt, kind enough to join us. And, Andrew, good to talk to you. Thanks for calling in. I'll be in Canton with Charles and Tom Flores, and it's always fun when one of your players gets into a Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, some, I guess, happier news about the Green Bay Packers, as I've been talking about the other news for three weeks. But this is nice to see because this is my era. You know, I was there from 99 to 09 for a decade, and these two guys really meant a lot to me during my decade there. So it was just great to see that announcement today. Charles Woodson, who became the Defensive Player of the Year, who's the the one free agent that we really went after on a team that everyone knows doesn't go after free agents. And there's a long story I have, which I won't bore you here, but he was one of the hardest signs I ever had because, let's be honest, he didn't want to come to Green Bay. <laughs> we had to push and push and push. And I called his agent every day for 37 days. And finally he signed. And then Al Harris, who I knew from the moment I met him, that he's going to do what he's doing now with the Kansas City Chiefs, which is coach. You know, what an amazing uh, knowledge base he always had. It was great with our younger corners, our younger safeties, leading the DB group so many years. So I'll be there. I haven't made the trek to the Hall of Fame uh, Packers things for a while, but I will definitely go see those guys. Yeah, it was a great legacy play for Woodson because out here in Vegas, they love him as a Raider and his Raider roots and getting drafted and playing in a Super Bowl. But a lot of players, even if they play for multiple teams, they got to get that ring. And I think with Charles going in as a first ballot Hall of Famer, the Packers had a lot to do with that with a world championship that defines his NFL legacy. You know, there are a few guys in your life in athletics where you see at a level above all the others. Now, think about this. The NFL has the most elite athletes in the world. First practice with Woodson, I walk out there and, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, He is our best corner, our best safety, our best tackler, our best return guy, our best cover guy our best defensive player immediately. Like, there are some players that just have these elite skills. I went to Stanford and saw with John Elway. These are like a few a few, and far between, like a handful of these guys in a decade. And I was just so privileged to see Charles. Andrew Brandt is our guest. Take me behind the scenes with your peers and the people you still talk to about voluntary workouts and OTAs and the ability for players to show up. Uh, some teams had tremendous turnouts. I was texting with Coach Gruden. He had 85 players. You know, Some teams had in that 80 range, and then other teams have players who are listening to the union. Take us behind the scenes about the risk-reward of working out with your teams in the facility. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is now a hot topic because the union has pushed this out that they want to sort of stand on the hill to have players stay away from workouts. I think it's a, it's a tough sell for a couple of reasons. One is the injury factor we're all seeing with Juwan James, where if you're injured away from the facility, on the exact same injury you could have 
within the facility, teams cannot pay you. And if you're on the bubble like Jawan James seemed to be, they just they just throw it out, you know. So that ten million will not go to the player and will stay in the owner's pockets of the Broncos. So that's one problem. The other problem is the reality of off-season workouts. And I know so well from running a team for 10 years, What is that? let's pick a number, 80% of your team, 70% of your team, pick a number, is on the bubble every year. Mm-hmm. So if you have 90 guys in camp, maybe that's 50 guys that cannot miss a voluntary workout. They just can't. Let's be real. They can't. They can't give the coaches any reason, any reason to pick someone else. So that's the reality. Now, the big names, sure, they want to stay away. They're not going to lose their job. But uh, that's the reality of it. It's a business. Do you believe more and more players are just comfortable working out, working out with their personal trainers and other teammates? I mean, there is risk-reward, but a lot of these guys, I would say all of them, 98% of them are working out with these Phase 1 companies and these special companies that are based everywhere from Scottsdale to Florida, getting in these grind workouts every day, and they could pop Achilles and blow out knees just in those buildings. Well, one of the things I was responsible for in Green Bay, and it was a slog, was to institute workout bonuses that really meant something, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, half a million dollars. Because, it, let's face it, not the most geographically desirable place in March, April, and May. And to get guys up there, you know, we made it. I was basically, I'll say this, I was doing a financial bribe. And even with that, you know, players like Al Harris and Charles Woodson, among others, were like, Andrew, I don't care if you put $10 million there. I'm not coming. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's tough, especially this, this. Everyone's got their guy, and this is nothing new. This is not a new thing. Everyone's got their guru, their workout guy, their place they're comfortable with. They know the people. The people know them. They want to get away from the team for four months. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's a tough sell. Wrapping it up with Andrew Brandt, from knowing Aaron Rodgers the way you do and knowing the infrastructure of the Packer organization, where are we at in the dance now on just trying to get him back, <laughs> just to take him out to dinner, to talk to him, to feel him out? Yeah. I don't know. No one seems to know. Listeners were in a craze two, three weeks ago, as you talked about. Now it's died down, just like Deshaun Watson's died down here a bit. Where are the Packers and Aaron Rodgers from what you're hearing? Well, obviously you've been talking about this nonstop. I just think this is a battle for control of the timeline. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I don't know exactly for sure, again, this is not 100%, but I think the timeline that began on April 2020 was Aaron Rodgers for two seasons moved to love. Now, we kept Aaron on the the apprentice role for three years with Brett Favre, but I just have a sense it's two years. And Aaron's looking at that. He's like, okay, listen, you want me to give you MVP-level play, take you to the Super Bowl, and then you're going to discard me? I'd like to control that timeline better, and maybe let's just do it now. And, and I think there's where the rub is. We can talk about money and guarantees and paying more than Mahomes. I mean, that, that's all secondary. What's the issue to me is control of the future short-term. Like, you want Rodgers to do this for you? Well, I don't know. You know, if, if I'm the agents, I'm like, what's in it for me? You know, a lot more money? Okay, maybe, you know, we'll start thinking about it. Like, you want me to be the MVP of the league and be a placeholder, 
keeping the seat warm for Jordan Love. And I get it. I get it from Aaron. That's not a cool thing for you. And I get it from the Packers' side. They draft this guy number one. Their goal is to turn him into the third straight franchise quarterback in Green Bay. And they got to get him on the field. It won't be this year. They don't. He's not ready this year. So Aaron is really messing up their plan by saying, "Hey, you know, you want to move to Love next year? Why don't you just do it now?" Yeah, so but I think that's what. What was so interesting in your scenario is that you had Aaron Rodgers, and at that time you couldn't predict that he could be a Mount Rushmore type player. You hoped right. he'd be very good in a Pro Bowler, and look what's happened. We have no idea what Jordan Love's going to do, and I would bet, and I'm not a gambler, all my money that he's not going to be the next Aaron Rodgers because the odds say no. So that's what makes this fascinating. You had you had one of the greats sitting for three years. Now the Packers don't know if they have one of the greats, let alone a Pro Bowler sitting for two. Yeah, but here's where the next few months could be really important, because going back to my history, mm-hmm. we, had, we had two off-seasons, two, with Aaron Rodgers running the team, because Brett would go to Mississippi, and we wouldn't see him until July. And then we saw Aaron. We saw Aaron in all those off-season months. And we had guys like Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and James Jones coming up to the office like, this guy, this guy is legit. This guy is big time. Now, Jordan Love can do that. Mm-hmm. Jordan, it's Jordan's, you know, Aaron's in, my, in Hawaii. Aaron's not going to be at practices. Jordan Love can show something here. Yeah, and good point. this is Jordan Love's team. For the next three months, I don't care Bortles or whoever. This, this is a real time for for them to evaluate him. Loving your newsletter, I get it every Sunday. It's the first thing I read. How could everybody get it? Awesome, thanks for that. Andrew-Brandt.com. If you want more sort of content, insights, and perspective from me, especially about this Aaron Rodgers thing, sign up. I'll give it to you. Look forward to having you on every month. You're really a big impact for us. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Always enjoy it. I always enjoy it. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew Brand, fabulous, a calming voice. Nobody that I could get on the radio, nobody, knows more about Aaron Rodgers than him because he did the deal. And he watched the whole thing with Favre, and he's watching it again, and he brought so much up in that conversation, especially about the opportunity with Aaron Rodgers not coming back this offseason for Jordan Love to really get some work in, plus the preseason to show everybody his value. This is still crazy. How quiet is it with Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson? These are two massive names, two of the top five quarterbacks in the league. No debate. Two of the top five are Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, and we're sitting here in May before Memorial Day, and they don't want to go back to their teams. I mean, this Deshaun Watson thing has gone really quiet. So you got to assume that they're trying to fight out a settlement there. And I don't think the commissioner is going to love the settlement. That was brought to you by Modelo. An official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, Modelo Especial is brewed with time, effort, and determination to create the model Mexican lager. Everyone knows that hard work deserves a fitting reward, a Pilsner-style lager with a crisp, clean taste. Modelo. I'm going to have a bucket of Modelo's tomorrow and kick off the weekend. I can't wait to watch more of this PGA. Uh, Brooks Kepka 3-under, Keegan Bradley 3-under, Hovland 3-under. Uh, it's great. This is fantastic. Kepka came out and shot a 69, and he's won two Wanamaker trophies in the past, so he knows how to get it done on the beautiful Kiowa Island course. Man, I played Shadow Creek this week in Southern Highlands, so I'm feeling good about my golf.
Going to be up at Anthem Revere on Sunday for a little bit of golf. Someday I'm going to get much better. Up and down, up and down. Maybe it's because i got to get up and down from the bunkers. That's the problem. Great job, Bobby. Unbelievable week. Appreciate everybody who supports the show. Keep it here to Raider Nation Radio. On Monday, I'll be with the Raiders for season ticket holders for the Mike Mayock draft recap. If you're a season ticket holder for the Raiders, look for it in your inbox. It just came in in the last half hour. Tuesday, we broadcast from the Raiders facility also in Henderson. Appreciate all of our partners. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.